This is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. Hello, welcome to Dragonheart. No Che this week, I'm afraid. I'm standing in as host. Che, of course, refuses to play if Jordan Davis is not 100% fit. So he's <laughs> he's on the bench, I'm afraid. But I do have the other long, Bill Long. Hi, Bill, how are you doing? Hi, Mark. Uh, not too bad. Um, slowly recovering from my 24-hour gaming marathon that I did last week, which meant I couldn't do Dragonheart. Uh, that was that was interesting and probably slightly less arduous than watching uh, Wrexham in the 2019-2020 season. Well, you've got a point there, to be fair. <laughs> How did it go, your marathon? It was good. Um, is I, I got to about... The, like the sort of, uh, let's say about three quarters of the way through-ish and realised I had a full day's worth of work left and it was about two o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> that, that that was a bit of a wall. But other than that, yeah, pretty good. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, hopefully this show won't be a feat of endurance to listen to. We'll be looking at the last <laughs> two games Wrexham played. Impressive wins against Aldershot and then Kings Lynn. We'll be looking at the rather more ugly subjects of flares at football grounds, and also looking at our newfound Scouse Welshman. So, fasten your seatbelts and get ready for a bumpy long ride. It's Dragon from Heart. Draven Heart? Dragon Heart. <laughs> yeah, there you go, everybody. As you can tell, this is live. It's not actually live, it's pre-recorded. And yes, I have kept this in the edit. Why? Nobody really knows for sure. It is Dragon Heart. I'm Liam McClendon, and this is Dragonheart. Yes, that's right. It's Dravenheart, the new name for an old <laughs> favourite. <laughs> well, the Dravens faced the Phoenixes on Saturday, of course. Wrexham playing Aldershot Town. And, well, uh, let's be honest, Bill, it was a bit of a mismatch, wasn't it? It was, yeah. You'd swear it was two teams from two different divisions, wouldn't you, really, playing in a cup competition? It almost had a bit of a feel of a a, a weird situation, um, but it's the performance that people have been crying out for for, for the whole season. You know, we've we played teams and looked like we should have smashed them, and ended up going from uh, you know one all to one all. Like the the Torquay game that's in my background being a case in point, uh, but but finally we we've we've had that performance at home to give the fans a bit of uh, a reward for their loyalty. I must be honest, I was a bit worried when I saw that Tom O'Connor wasn't fit because I think he's made a mm. real impact coming in. He gives the midfield a different sort of shape. It really releases Luke Young and Jordan Davis. But it worked well because Young filled that role well and because James Jones came in and showed a lot of energy, didn't he? As the, the assist for the first goal, he, he, he virtually had an assist for the fourth because he ran his man down and forced the error, allowed Mullin to get the ball and score. Um, so O'Connor's absence wasn't really felt that much. No, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, it, that was the kind of performance from Jones that we, we were expecting when we bought him. I'm not saying he's, he's had a, a poor season by all means, but uh, heard Ollie Palmer talking earlier in, in the, the week in one of his interviews talking about how the 
the league is very different and it's all right if you're a big bruising centre forward, you might get used to the, the conditions in this league pretty quickly, but maybe it's taken James Jones a bit of time and a little time on the bench to sort of get used to uh, having a bit of competition. And it, it seems to have done him well because he played well in both games, didn't he? But especially in the old shot match. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah, really sure. His energy is terrifying. And I mean, in that older shot match, of course, as we remember, Jordan Davis, you know, sort of missed two close range headers, but scored from 25 yards. And that last <laughs> yeah. header that he had was, I mean, Jones' ridiculous energy and stamina in added time, sprinting from the middle of the pitch around the outside of the fullback in order to give the overlap for a cross. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's just fantastically fit, isn't he? It's, it's you know, higher levels that we're getting, you know, from bringing in players from higher divisions. It's not just technique. It's it's maybe also fitness and, and physical conditioning. Yeah, I think we're coming towards the end of the season as well, Mark. And, you know, that's really showing, isn't it? Maybe these performances aren't actually any worse or better than they were early in the year. But as other teams uh, are going on with, like you say, that lower fitness, lower physical ability, uh, it, it's it's showing through and, and you know, it, we're starting to look really good. I try not to get excited. I'll bring the dreaded titleometer out again, the, the Bill Long patented titleometer. Mm. I think we're up to about, uh, well, let's put it at six for being six points behind Stockport. Yeah. Uh, still a long way to go, but performances like that for the rest of the season um, are going to go a long way, aren't they? Uh, who was your man of the match? It was hard to choose, wasn't it? Everyone. Everybody except yeah. Rob Lane <laughs> because I had nothing to do. Um, can't remember who he picked now. I think I think it was Che who picked it in the commentary and he picked Mullen. Um, and clearly he scored two goals. I, I thought Davis and Young were excellent at that match. Can I ask you a question about the title armor, sir? The way you yes, said, I suppose we'll call it sex, makes me sound like it's not founded in science. Would I be right in this? Well... <laughs> Uh, th there is no spreadsheet behind the titleometer. There is no. Uh, I, I'm you're 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 the numbers guy, Mark. I I, I like to have a feel for things. I, I go off instinct. That's why we make a good a good trio usually when there's the three of us because I feel like Chase somewhere like in the cynical area. So we've we've got all bases covered. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's it's a scale of one to ten, isn't it? It is a scale of one yeah. to ten. Uh, Zero being uh, Brian Hughes's reign, and Ooh. nine being <laughs> and nine being uh, the unfortunate uh, playoff season, and and the ninety eight point season, and ten is obviously we go up. So let's let's see where we are between. But you know, seriously, we we are starting to look like a a title contention team, aren't we? I think it's the first time since the the, the you know the playoff final season that we're really grinding results out, and I think. We'll talk, we could talk a little bit more about it when we get to the Kings Lane game, but there was a lot of times that people moaned during that season. But ultimately, as much as we weren't completely successful, it was a successful year, wasn't it? To finish fifth and finish in a playoff final or fourth or wherever it was we ended up finishing that year, that is as successful as you can get without going up. So let's just let's just hope this is a successful team and a successful year, really. Well, exactly. I, I, you've touched on something that that I was wondering about in, in your last couple of, uh, sort of comments. This idea of 
being fitter, you mentioned before, and maybe being able to get the benefits of that. And then as well, you know, you say people complaining in a 98-point season. I think, in my recollection, part of that was that we, in the final throws of that season, didn't quite go toe-to-toe and keep up with Fleetwood. Um, I, I can't help feeling that we, we've we often had seasons where we've, we've petered away quite badly, you know, in a National League. Yeah, uh, I remember us winning the league, uh, the, the FA Trophy, and then just looking on our knees afterwards, really looking exhausted. Yeah. Um, the first season, the the results fell to pieces. The wheels fell off Dean Saunders' team in the most spectacular ma- manner possible. I mean, remember the, the great impact that he had on the at the start of the season when he came in and we were winning hand over fist in the last twenty games of that season. We won three and we drew wow. seven and lost 10. So, you know, we're quite good at having the wheels falling off our season. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, in the National League, if you look at the um, the season we won the FA Trophy as well, we you know, obviously were, that was the year, like you say, we, we still finished fifth and still get into the playoff final. Definitely a successful season, but... You know, at the end of it, after the, the well, after the FA Trophy, I remember we went to Hyde and lost 2-0 and just looked like the tank was empty. Then we drew it home to Macclesfield, won against Mansfield, lost at Woking, beat Cambridge, lost at home to Kidderminster, drew at home to Braintree. These are not great. Lost at Mansfield last game of the season. And it, it really impressed me that we rallied well enough to beat Kidderminster in the playoffs because that's a that's a poor yeah. running, isn't it? Um uh, and they were looking fantastic at the time, Kidderminster as well, weren't they? It was as if they were pushovers. I know maybe they, they'd lost a bit of steam uh, having not got automatic, but they did look really good at that point. Yeah. yeah. And then look at Gary Mills, um, <laughs> the way we started his first season and then the way that we fell to pieces. Uh, and again, OK, mm. let's have another little count of this. Oh, no, I'm right, Kevin Wilkinson. OK, Kevin Wilkinson season one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Last twelve games, we only won four, and they were all actually under the caretaker managers after he'd gone. Uh, mm. So again, there's a bad tail off, and we end up finishing a was it tenth, I think it was that season. And then the Gary Mills season, which was crazy because it started so well, ends really quite ugly manner. One win and one draw out of the last six league games. So wow. We, we, we tend to fall apart, the, the, except when Keats has been manager, to be honest, um, in that he's rescued us twice. But then having said that, when he left us, we fell apart. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's a, you know, it'd be nice to see us pull it together and, and you know, look strong and, and, and have that physicality and that ability to keep going, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, it was a uh, funny story about the uh, the trophy season. I remember that Hyde game really well because I'd actually gone on a, a school trip to Barcelona with with work, um, missed the trophy final. Uh, there was there was a sneaky part of me that was almost hoping all that snow that we'd had was going to stop me from going to uh, the the Barcelona trip and I'd be able to sneak a ticket because obviously I'd committed before uh, we'd actually got to the final. Mm. Um, and I ended up watching it with a couple of rec- a couple of the, the lads that were in on the trip huddled around uh, an internet cafe computer watching S4C 
putting like like euros in the machine oh. to keep it going sort of thing. <laughs> Thought, right, I'll, I'll, I got got to make up for missing out on this. So I went to Hyde thinking, oh, it'll be a good good day out, you know, just outside Manchester, short trip, couple of bevs. And we got absolutely spanked, didn't we, by a team that ended up going down the year after. <laughs> so it was... <laughs> A, and and they a, went, the way they went down one. as well, it was like it was their birthright, wasn't it? They just they were determined to get relegated as early as possible. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Rob Ogilby score a hat trick the year after. It was a five two or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, the that rare Rob, after, Rob Ogilby hat trick. The rare Rob Ogilby hat trick. Red Rob Ogilvy gold. No, I didn't say that. He's been a guest <laughs> on the show. He's a lovely one. I mean, Hyde, we battered them the next season, and that was the season we finished lower than ever in our history. So <laughs> go figure. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I just think it's the same when Keats left, just to continue the theme. That when when Keats, you know, apart from when Keats rescued us, we tend to finish badly. Um, when he left, there were nine games left. The next game we should have won at, at um, Bromley, and we let in an equaliser in added time. Then we beat Maidstone one nil, and then there were seven games left that season. How many points did we get out of those seven games? Six, three. Oh, that was quite the tail off, wasn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so, not great, is it? Quiz question: Under which manager did we have our best ever finish in the National League? Mm. I know we tailed off in the ninety-eight point season, but is it is it morale? Did he, you know, like we still we still got ninety-eight points, so surely we, last five games you know. of the season, who gave us the best finish? Nah, Saunders, the man you mocked, Brian Hughes. Oh, Brian Hughes, right? Four wins okay, out yeah. of five that season. And we when he came in as caretaker, was it? No, no, no. When he was manager, so he came in right, after yeah. Graham Barrow. And I, I thought did it did well to sort of keep us afloat because we'd had such a, an amount of silly turmoil, hadn't we? Um, and mm-hmm. he came in, he won four of his first five games, then had a, the bad spell that cost us. We lost four out of five games, but then we won four out of five. Oh, right. Oh, okay. so he was in charge for 15 and he won nine. Won nine, drew one. It's not too bad, that actually, is it? Not bad at all. No, I, I think he was... Did very well that season. Uh, the problem was he then spent badly in the summer. Yeah. Him, you know, he had, he had a good budget and spent it on players who were inferior to what we'd had before. And yeah, that was what did for him. I felt sorry for him. But I feel sorry for him because people forget that that first season he came in and, and I would say did a decent job. You know, the... I, I think it, it's it's coloured by the fact that he was given such a long contract. I think if he'd have been just given one year, people might not look so badly at, or you know, maybe a year and a half, two years. I don't think people would have looked so badly at it. I think everyone was a little bit perplexed, weren't they? That three years seemed like a long time for someone who, okay, had done well at the end of the season, but yeah, maybe wasn't quite up to it. I think there was a sense as well of, yeah, uh, you know, I feel a little sorry for him. The, the whole foot golf thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that didn't have anything to do with whether he'd be a manager or not. It was just a little business venture. I mean, Francis Lee in the 70s was the big man, City star man. And was it him? Or, actually, it was him. Or, yeah, it was him. He he uh, had a business called Thingamy Wig, which uh, was a hat with an integral wig for people to wear, like seriously. 
Um, yeah. You know, I mean, people all say, oh, isn't he an entrepreneur? Isn't he clever? Well, yeah. you know, Hughes had a little sideline. He did a little job, extra job. Yeah, by all accounts, the main reason he's getting in there is because Carl Darlington had coached him and he considered him to be one of the very best coaches he'd ever taken through the, the badges. So, you know. It's one of those, the, fo- the foot golfing. Sorry? The thing with the foot golfing is people don't care if you're successful, but they do if you're not. It's it's yeah. uh yeah. it wouldn't even be remembered if you got it out of the league with it. Yeah, exactly. And I think there were other candidates that people wanted to see appointees. Yeah. Um, but I feel I feel very sorry for him. Although, like I say, he did make the wrong signings in the summer, and I felt it was sort of obvious as it was happening that this, these these signings on paper didn't look right, and on the pitch sadly didn't perform either. But I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, now we look quite fit. And before we go back to Aldershot, I mean, we've been bringing in over the last week a few new appointments on the physical side of the game. And it is so important. And, and, and I'm really pleased to see that sort of infrastructure put in place because you've got a new first-team conditioning coach. You've got a new first-team physio coming in as well. And, you know, look at the way that with Harry Lennon. I mean, sadly, he's injured again now. But we squeezed a lot of games out of Harry Lennon this season compared to what he's done the last few seasons. And um, we brought in McFadden, who was not fit, and we seem to be getting him up and running really well. Uh, you know, it, it, it's pleasing and, and hopefully will allow us to bring in maybe some bargains. You rehabilitate a player who's been getting injured with a really strong medical team, and you can get yourself an absolute bargain, can't you? Yeah, it's a real potential market for us, Mark, really, isn't it? You know, um, there's going to be teams in Le- League Two and even maybe in League One who can't afford to have passengers, but we've got that money to maybe take a risk on somebody who, uh, well, I mean, you know, like to, to, to bring a flip side in, we've, we've, we've got Dave Jones uh, in the squad and it's not quite worked out for him. Yeah. But if it had worked, look at the quality that he could have brought. And we've, like you say, we've seen it with Harry Lennon and, uh, hopefully, see it with McFadden. So it's it's a it's a real potential market that teams at our level can't access because of the the money situation. And we've we've got to use every tool available to us, haven't we? But hopefully, Mark, we won't be in this division next year, and it won't be as much of a problem. Yeah, precisely. I I do like the idea of um, yeah, being able to offer opportunities to players and and sort of like I say rehabilitate them a bit. I can't help thinking of Glenn Little. And thinking, you know, if we if we'd had the money and expertise to bring in, you know, really strong physical conditioning, people might be squeezed more out of him. Um, yeah. Although I've got to admit, the other side of it is we've got to be careful because if we um, if you buy a, a few players of an injury record and it doesn't work out, you could compromise your squad. But it's it's a good way possibly to get high quality players slightly lower than they'd expect to be. I mean, Harry Lennon for me as a football league defender. And it's the injuries that have cost him. Uh, yeah, know, absolutely. You know, the, so those sort of signings. I mean, I, I was, who said, I remember a long time ago, someone said, and I thought it was very true that, you know, players come down to non-league because there's some, if they're good, because there's something wrong, whether it's their fitness, whether it's their attitudes, whether it's their behaviour off the pitch, you know, obviously we've got some now who've come because we've sold a good project to them. But, you know, that, that could be a way in, couldn't it, to offer a player a chance to get himself up and running, get himself fit again. So it's an interesting possibility. And I think from a human point of view, you know, it's it's good for us as a club to uh, 
be able to offer players a second chance. Um, Especially, especially, you know, these players who've got that real quality and have been a bit unlucky in their careers. Why can't they come to a club like Wrexham and and, uh, rebuild their career? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Saunders used to do it using his connections and bringing in players who were, you know, maybe not quite what they were. But then we didn't have the wherewithal to build mm. on that. So you get Patrick Sufo, I think we talked about before, with his massively swollen knee. And, you know, <laughs> players like John Curtis, who, you know, couldn't really keep it going to the end of the season, and Matt Jansen and different people, you know. But he was trying to bring quality in by using his contacts and maybe bring in players who things hadn't gone right for. But, yeah, now, well, we don't have to shop in a bargain bucket and we can, yeah, we can maybe just do some of that business quite judiciously, can't we, I think? Yeah, definitely. Should we perhaps go back to the actual older shot game, though? <laughs> Do you think? Yes, you think maybe, possibly. Yeah, maybe. Maybe <laughs> we've got a touch off <laughs> of beast here, haven't we? Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's Mullen looks sharp, didn't he? Back to what he was, he looked tremendous. Well, yeah, speaking of, of injuries and stuff, I think he really, we, there's no way we'd have given him that time off to recuperate, no. but he might have broken down if he hadn't have been suspended, you know, and, and we could have been in real trouble if he'd have broken down at a key time in the season. So I think that break, uh, as, as much as we didn't want it, has come at a good time. He's looking, like you say, very sharp since he's come back. Um, yeah, it, he's, he's, just, he's just so quality, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm one of those people, Mark. I, I like my favourite player of the squad to be somebody nobody else chooses. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just, it's just a bit of a <laughs> bit of like being a bit defiant, but it's just hard not to love Mullen, isn't it? Mm. Oh, he's a real class act, isn't he? And, he? and he can win games out of nothing. He's hungry. Yeah. He feels like the sort of bloke who will turn up on big occasions. And even though yes, he's the yeah. glamour player, he's also got terrific. Uh, desire, hasn't he? You know, I mean, the Notts County game away comes to mind where he wasn't fully fit. You could see he wasn't quite up to speed. He was having an unlucky time of it where he, he should have got a penalty probably in the first half. It wasn't given. He misses a penalty in the second half, which, to be fair to him, wasn't a bad penalty. It was an excellent save. But, you know, he, but you could just see that he just kept digging deeper and deeper. He was so determined to, to turn the game around. And I really... Yeah, it's good to see when you when you get players maybe who you, you can forgive someone dropping down a couple of divisions, having that, the season they had last time, and maybe acting a bit like I'm the big man. But he he, he puts a good shift in, doesn't he? He does, and there's a, there's a quality that I, I noticed it a little bit against more against Kings Lynn really. But uh, what I absolutely love about him is he chases every single ball, doesn't he? Really, he's just he's constantly looking to. Any little deflection, if he takes a shot or there's a misplaced pass, like you know, he's not always going to get it. But the, just having someone with that attitude to go and chase the ball down and, and try and find the teammate, even if it doesn't uh, uh, come off, puts puts defenders uh, on their toes, doesn't it? And it makes them yeah. think twice about how they're going to get rid of the ball and, and, and move it around. So, you know, he's he's such an asset to us. Um, and, and now he's Welsh as well. Well, he's you know, he's he's one of us, Mark. So. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get that later Makes on. Makes it even we, better. He's been catapulted into the Welsh squad, who knows? But um, I, I, liked, I, I sort of like the way that his second goal was a mistake by the goalkeeper. He should have saved it. 
And Mullen turned around and didn't really celebrate it as if he looked embarrassed. Yeah. And I thought, I quite like the idea as well that he likes to score the, the perfect goal. We had Don Vos on last season talking about how that amazing goal against Gateshead, he doesn't really like it because he feels that the keeper should have saved it. Um, you know, the, yeah. the artist who wants perfection. Uh, I quite like that in Mullen. You know, he's disappointed he didn't. He was disappointed himself he didn't get the shot right rather than celebrating the goal. I like that that attitude yeah. of I want to get it perfect. I want to get it right. I want to nail this at 10 out of 10. And, and speaking of perfect goals, Jordan David, ooh, what a what a goal that was. Yeah. I mean, we we sit in the in the Rex rent, so we're just we we're right behind the goal and he, he had a shot that was so similar in the first yeah. half that the turns to, to the people was with and it was like oh, if that had just gone in that would be one of the best goals I've seen live and, and obviously it's still just as good on the other end but there's something about seeing it come in right in front of you uh, that would have would have really topped it off for that second goal unbelievable and to have the audacity to sort of try the same sort of shot twice because he knew he'd beaten the keeper was was you just love to see it don't you you know, he's he's a sort of bloke who you feel one day will score the greatest hat-trick of all time. I mean, maybe yeah. he did a Halifax, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, but, um, you know, the, the way, like I say, if they, I, we did exactly the same in the commentary. Jay and Neil Williams and I, we were all saying, with that, foot, with that shot, we're then just wide in the first half. Oh, my, imagine if that had gone in. And we didn't have to imagine 20 minutes later, we saw it happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, what a, he's a beautiful, pure striker of the ball. It, all, it almost makes it feel weird when he mishits it because <laughs> he just can't. Yeah, he can't quite believe it. He's so consistently good, isn't he? And, uh, hitting the, the target like that—it's remarkable. It's a shame we don't have um, sort of proper stats at our level because his xG figures must be much lower than the goals he scores. He gets so many from outside the box. Yeah, and and. He's he's got a good head on him as well, though, isn't he? As, yeah. as much as he's got these these rockets in in his uh, his boots, he's got a really good head. I'd love to see him score a perfect hat trick, left foot, right foot header. Yeah, that's yeah. that's um. I don't know if I've ever actually seen one of them in person. Uh, but you know he, he's the type of player that can pull that off, isn't he? And yeah, uh, yeah. again, just just like Mullin, uh, another another p- potential candidate for Welsh selection and another one of our own. So yeah. It's a good time to be a Wrexham fan, Mark, isn't it? It is quite fun, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> this is quite fun at the moment. Jordan Davis, right? Okay, let's see how two-footed he is. I keep some quite sad stats, you know. He has scored this <laughs> season. Um, oh, he hasn't scored with his right foot this season. No. So, um, I thought he might have done. Mullen, 10 with his right, 3 with his left. So he's mixing it around wow. a bit. Not bad. Not so, bad at uh, all. <laughs> Palmer. Palmer's the one that spreads it around the most. Two with his head, one with his left, two with his right. So he's uh, he's the one who's got, he's mixing it around the most. Aaron Hayden, <laughs> never mind feet, six with his head. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, it, it was uh, interesting listening to what, one of your the podcasts. I can't remember after... Which game it was? I think it was the oldest shot, but it was it was nice to see more of him. Palmer's passing game, wasn't it? And, yeah. and his ability to sort of hold the ball off and lay it off to to Mullin and other people. And I think you know the the Wheelstone game. There was a there was a few people who uh, just around me, you know, like not not being overly critical, but just saying he was slow and he didn't really move very well. But I think 
he he clearly suits playing uh, other people in more than he does necessarily being the lone striker. Um, and we don't need to use his pace when you've got Mullin and, and Davis making the runs off him. Yeah, that, I mean exactly, exactly. I, I, I something that's pleased me about the transfer window is that it really feels like we bought missing jigsaw pieces. And yeah. I, I like, I like, I, I may sound silly this, but I like a manager where I can sort of see what they're trying to do. I'm not saying I don't, you know, I, I don't want them to surprise the opposition. I'm not saying that at all, but I quite like that I can see what our overall strategy is. Um, and, you know, in conversely, there were times with Wilkin and Mills where you would be presented with a team sheet before the match and you couldn't work out where some of the players would play. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, like, I like understanding what our process is and you just look at it and you think well as you mentioned last week maybe Bryce Susanna on the left who does very well but he's right footed maybe although he caused major problems of his pace it's a bit difficult for him perhaps to, to deliver crosses as well going around the outside mm. so he brings in McFadden who clearly is very good at putting the ball into good areas to be attacked so he addresses an issue there. <clears throat> and then he needs a midfielder with a bit of authority. So he brings an O'Connor. But that has the knock-on effect of releasing, well, Young to an extent, but more Davis to drive forwards into those attacking positions. And then Palmer, as you say, I totally agree. I, I, I've seen the videos. I know that one of his major strengths is his ability to hold the ball up, turn and play ambitious passes. And until... Mm. I would say until maybe that that game, the older shot game, we hadn't seen that much of that part of his. We see lots of other parts of his game which have done really well, but that was the game for the first time when we had you know Davis a bit more free to run on, mulling alongside him, and he's got two players running into dangerous positions and making the sort of intelligent runs that a player like him can spot and feed. Uh, and I think it's no surprise, as you rightly say, that suddenly. We see the, the 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 foot on the ball, Palmer, a lot more because you've now yeah. got two high level players on the same wavelength making those great runs into great positions for him to pick out. Yeah, and uh, I think spot on, Mark, and uh, it, it's you know Parkinson's come into some criticism during the year, uh, maybe some rightly, maybe some wrongly, and. You know, some, sometimes managers will look. Yeah, you, you hear fans going, "Oh, we need this player, we need that player," and then they don't get bought. It's like, "Oh, we should have bought this player." We should, and, and you know, you get it. The fans aren't always wrong. I think it's a, a misconception uh, amongst maybe that some of the football community that um, fans don't know what they're talking about because there's a lot of people who are quite knowledgeable. They go to the games every week. They've watched hundreds of thousands of games of football. They know they do know what they're talking about to a degree, but. Parkinson's gone and got the players that everybody wanted. That's a better than we were probably expected to get. And like you brightly say, they fit completely perfectly into our system. So he's got to get the credit for that, 100%. I agree completely. And also, let's not forget that we've got, we've still got scope to improve. We have yet to play Mullen and O'Connor in the same side. And so those oh, benefits yeah, that we're even... getting, because we were playing two weak teams this week, we were able to replicate it, weren't we, with Young sitting in. But we have yet to see 
the, the real, what I would call probably the full-strength team yet. So that's also rather promising, yeah. isn't it? When we're looking to build up ahead of momentum, that we're showing genuine signs of improvement, but there's probably more to come. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it will be interesting to see how uh, Mullen and O'Connell link up, won't it? Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Or just the, f- the fact that he could release Davis even more to be free. So, wow, that's <laughs> the thought of this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I reckon we've done the older shot game. Uh, after this... Um, and more. And just a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> uh, so after this, maybe we'll move on to a little bit of King's Lynn fun. Playing the music you love. This is Callon FM. So we batted Aldershot, and then we didn't batter Kings Lynn as such, but it was it was a very comfortable win, wasn't it? It's it's uh, alluding back to the the playoff final season, um, and I sort of mentioned earlier that a lot of people got fed up that we were getting getting points but not getting results. You know, we we haven't seen a team really grind out wins um, in in second gear since that season, I think. Uh, last year, a lot of people didn't quite like how Keats set up, but we ground out wins, but I think we had to work hard to get those wins, whereas that was that was a game where we were we were coasting, and I mean, it should have been four or five if it wasn't for the keeper, and I think there's, there was an element of the players for, ah, oh, well, we've won this, and then just kind of took their foot off the gas, and you know, it's it's frustrating when you're in the stadium and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, come on, I just want to see another goal because, you know, everyone does, especially when uh, we're kicking towards the Rex rent in the second half. But you can't complain when a team coasts that easily, can you? Well, exactly. I mean, the analogy I keep coming back to is that we, we went down the gears a bit and actually for a spell, possibly in the second half, went a gear lower than we probably meant to. And yeah. I wouldn't say let them back in the game, but we let them get on top of the game for a bit, but they still didn't threaten us. Um, and the ironic thing for me is that we scored two goals in the first half when we are getting at them. And then the second half, when we've eased off a bit, to be fair, that keeper made three or four very good saves, two of which were absolutely fabulous. So even when we were easing off, if he hadn't done so well, because the save he made from Hayden, but he went low to his left, that was brilliant, that, I thought. And then the one from Palmer, I must say, at the time, I, I just thought it's unbelievable that he's got out so quickly to get the block on it. I thought he just made himself big. But when you look back at the video, he's got his hand, he's got his hand across to it. He's, he's moved and his hand to it. It's an unbelievable save, that second one. I, I'd have to look at the... Uh, I've seen the, the goals back, but I haven't seen the chances back. And um, I'd have to look again, but... Uh, being in the Rex Rent stand, how, how he got to that Hayden header, I do not know. I think is it is it as it touched the post just before it's touched his hand? Does it like hit the post and would have gone in, but he's managed to save it? That's what it's. Yeah. But memory's a little bit hazy about it. I can't really. It was so. It, yeah. I, I I don't. I usually wait to celebrate. I'm a little bit um on the cautious side, but I was like, yeah, getting up. I was, that was it. We, um, but no, nah, it was a fantastic save. Um, uh, I was thinking about that and as well. Is... For anybody who was watching, who watches the, the footage on YouTube or on Wrexham player, um, the reaction of the crowd was greater than the video makes it look like. The video looks, makes it look like the crowd is sort of going, oh, ooh, we, oh that was close. But no, the actual experience of being there was the crowd started celebrating. Definitely, the crowd was like yeah. you said. The crowd was celebrating the goal, and somehow the keeper scooped it out. I'm not sure if it hit the post or not, but 
it was an amazing save. And then the one that put onto the bar was just madness. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, I mean, hats off to him, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of lucky that the rest of their team weren't up to scratch because those kind of saves can galvanize the team, can't they? You know, you, you even at 2 0 down, you can pull that off. It gives gives the rest of the team a real lift, doesn't it? That confidence boost that you get from a keeper having a good performance. Um, and, and like you say, we 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 let them back in a little bit. They they could have had if they put one of those opportunities away, it would have been game on, I think. And yeah. but you know, it, it didn't, and we won. So happy days. And it never really felt like that would happen, did it? To be honest, you know, we kept them at arms. No, no, comfortably. Uh, it, it was quite fun seeing Gold Armatayo getting roughed up a little bit by Tozer and Hayden, I thought. Yeah. Ooh, he's a big lad, isn't he, to be fair? The, the cameras don't do justice to the size of him. He's a physical person, isn't he? But that wonderful passage of play where he tried to lean into Hayden and just for a second it looked like he'd succeeded. And then Hayden just thought, oh, somebody's actually trying to inconvenience me. And just, just, <laughs> you know, just turned it up a notch, yeah. knocked him over and then ran down the wing and but at the end of it, there was a shot on goal, not not a great one, uh, but he managed to start a move up the other end of the pitch. But it was just typical Hayden. He's just bosses things, the old Red Baron, doesn't he? Yeah, there's there's a there's a real risk that this is turning into Baron Hart, but in in <laughs> fairness, he deserves it, doesn't he? Because yeah, it'll always be Draven <laughs> Hart. Draven Hart, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's well, just a note, just like uh, I'm running out of words to describe how good that. That man is, you know, he's what an absolutely fantastic player, and to be able to boss opposition forwards who who are the size of Armatio like that, he's just pure quality, isn't he? Absolutely. I and as well, I think it slightly draws attention away from the fact that Toes is outstanding. Toes is a yeah. wonderful centre back. He should not be playing at this level. He is so authoritative. He's just in control of situations, and you know, I, I have a, I have a real sense of calm if a striker gets through and Toza's the last defender and he's running at Toza. Toza just takes him off yeah. to the side and then you know quite low key just takes the ball off him. <laughs> he's he's a you know he's he's terrifically physical but he's very good at at gauging when to commit and how to cut down the space between him and the striker and just force them to go where he wants them to go, you know, siphon them away from goal. Or even if, um, you know, I mean, sometimes if a player looks like they've got the pace maybe to burst past him, he's very mm. good at holding them up and just letting the rest of the fence get back into place. He's a very intelligent defender, I think. And, and although his passing was weirdly erratic on Tuesday, normally I like his passing. I think that's a big part of, his, of our approach. Um, but his defending still was impeccable. Yeah, and I, and I think... Yeah. The, the quality that them two bring has really um, brought Max Clowers' game up, hasn't it? Who also deserves a bit of a shout-out, you know. Is this potentially the most balanced back three or the most balanced set of centre-backs we've had in a long time? I mean, I, I the, is, is it even the best pair of centre-backs we've had since uh, Beast and that nice Percival Ooh, that's in, a, in, in Toza Hayden? That's a hell of a question, isn't it? Because... Remember, between them, we've also had Sean Pearson and Manny Smith. So, you know, we, we've been if, a bit spoiled we, to centre-backs, haven't we? we? We have, to be fair, but in, to, in terms of partnerships, a bit, a, is, I, know, I know we play in a free, but uh, Toza Hayden, who are the consistent ones, because Lennon and Clareworth have sort of swapped in and out, uh, our best partnership since 
Knight Percival and um, Crichton. I I'd like to I'd like to think they are. I mean, well, the the proof will be in the pudding by the end of the season. But I don't I don't know. I I love them. I love I love a good centre back mark. <laughs> the, the, these two are a hell of a pairing, and Clowerf yeah, well, really is benefiting from from being with them. Well, no question. And also McFadden outside him, he combines it superbly, doesn't he? They they interchange their positions really well when we've got the ball. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try and pull off a really elaborate form of fence sitting here. So are these two <laughs> the best pair of centre backs we've had since uh, Nightlight Percival and Crichton? I'm going to say maybe not because Manny Smith and Sean Pearson were an excellent combination. But I'm also going to say maybe they are better than Crichton and Knight personally. And we should have to go back further to find a parent. That, that, that's, okay. that's world that's class. That's interesting. That. that is, you're almost making like a, a triangle of options, oh. but not picking any of them. I'm seeing it like a sort of um, 3D parallelogram. So I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing a three witches Macbeth stunt. Um, they are greater than Crichton and Mike Percival, but not so great. Yeah, yeah. Banquo, yeah. So, yeah. Love Banquo. Kids love Banquo. <laughs> what, what's your thinking then behind these two being better than Crichton and that Percival? Well, I... I I'm not saying they are, but I think it's a it's a tight call. Crichton was a superb stopper. If you want an out-and-out aggressive bloke to win the ball and attack it, he's your man, because fantastic player for us, um, and a real force of nature. But that's exactly how I describe Aaron Hayden. I mean, Aaron Hayden is a force of nature, isn't he? And he's quicker than Crichton. Yeah. So if you have those two as stoppers, um, and then... Oh, I beg your pardon. Um, Toza, I beg your pardon. I mean, he's... He's a similar size and, and level of authority. It's just that in the middle of the three, he doesn't have to play as a stopper so much. And then in yeah, terms true. of a player who can who has pace and can come out of the ball, um, I thought Mike Percival is outstanding. I mean, the fact that he's gone on to have a good career in football league shows that. Hayden, probably a little quicker, I would say, possibly. Certainly more physical, although Mike Percival has no problems physically. You know, I, th- I think it's a tight call between them. I genuinely, genuinely mm. would say so. Um, and like I say, to throw Pearson and Smith in. I mean, Pearson, to stop a rule, insatiable desire to win everything, a real scrapper. And the way that he picked her up, when Keats first came in for the second spell, I think Keats was a little worried that Pearson's legs had gone. Um, we, we let yeah. in some goals where the ball got in behind him. Uh, most notably at Chesterfield, I seem to remember where he he was struggling to deal with the long ball and gave it away and oh, missed it and they scored. Um, but he rehabilitated, and then he got injured as well. But last season he rehabilitated himself superbly in the second half of the season, and I just thought that you know that was good as well. You think, oh, maybe maybe this is the end for Pearson now, and then he comes back after a nasty injury, and he's at the levels he was when he signed for us. That's superb. And then Manny Smith was. Yeah gloriously reliable yeah times when he's caught out of position times when when he's made an actual mistake were rare they they tended frankly to happen with Ganny Mills who didn't seem to trust him as much as his other managers did and would often play him at right back which was ludicrous and yeah or would play him in a three which definitely didn't suit him as much as a four he was just a solid bread and butter (laughs) 
old-fashioned back four centre-back, isn't he, really? Alba Fenn, my Yeah, Paldieri. definitely. He wasn't that comfortable going forwards, really. Playing him at full-back was lunacy. I remember writing a thing up at the time um, when he came back, which like looked at his the, the team stats in terms of goals conceded when he played in a four, when he played on the side of a three, and when he played as a fullback, and the, the, the contrast was spectacular. We we bet we let very few goals in when he played in a back four, a lot more per ninety minutes when he played in a three, and a lot more again when he played as a fullback. I mean, it was just why would you have such a an obvious born centre back and not play him at centre back? I mean, it was just lunacy. But no, I I, I rate, rate all of them. Actually, Westwood was quite good. No. Yeah, definitely. And even um, political points of view aside, Martin Riley was a decent player. Um, we, we've done all right for centre-backs, haven't we, really, yeah. to be fair, over the, over the years. It's the one position that we've not actually really completely suffered in. Even Fierke Kelleher last year, I, I really yeah. highly rated. And Vassell? Yeah. Vassell's a good all-round yeah. player. I'm surprised he's doing well now in the Football League, isn't he? Yeah, um, he is. I, yeah, he's Salford, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. if I could throw a couple of other names of his looking at the Greek National League centre-backs, um, <laughs> Aurelian Collin was a very good centre-back, I thought, and I'm ashamed we didn't keep him for longer. And he went mm. off and won the MLS and was a, a real cult hero in yeah. the MLS. Um, I thought Manny Asumani was a decent centre-back as well. He, you know, he had Asumani, that's, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, <laughs> he's all right. He's perfectly reliable, I thought he was. He was, you know, an aggressive defender. And I also thought Kieran Kennedy was, you know, he had something. And it was a yeah. shame that he chose not to come back. I think he made a mistake. I think he probably realises that now as he ended up playing the level below us now, isn't he? But, you know, mm. he could have come back to us and chose not to, and I think he, he under Keats, he could have done it, and I think he he made a mistake there, I think, which is a shame, So I think yeah. he was a good all-round defender who could play full-back as well. That's his problem, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, what about the partnership then? Obviously, our best, we haven't talked about it, Frank Sinclair and Marvin Andrews together. Oh, hell, hell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Marvin. <laughs> Marvin was quite the character when he fair played to him. He, he, he was, yeah. He's <laughs> a nice, sort of jovial, gentle bloke, but I was still terrified to interview him because he had such a scary look on his face. You know, he'd come out. Yeah. And he's a nice fellow. He really is. He's, he's one of those uh, great, you know, great guy. Never met him, but uh, he, 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 uh, does his, his, like, look doesn't suit his personality, does it? Going on from what, uh, uh, he looks like on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, although the way that he, you know, I think it, it maybe suits his his personality in the sense of as a player, perhaps, of being uncompromising. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I've said this before, I remember, he made his debut at Eastbourne. I'm not saying it's a long way by train to Eastbourne, but on the way down, I, I read his, the whole, his whole autobiography. Um, <laughs> but the, the best about his childhood in Trinidad is unbelievable. He talks about how he thinks that he became a tough player because he used to play barefoot on rocks. And you think, oh, okay. That's it. Oh, that, yeah, that would do that for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think he was quite a strong fella, you know, quite strong-willed. Yeah. But I uh, bless him, a nice chap. You know what? This whole Kings Lynn thing, firstly, we've managed to go through it without mentioning Steve Cleave once. And secondly, we managed well, to go through it without really mentioning Kings Lynn all that much. So... <laughs> 
the game itself. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we've we've done this today, Mark. We've gotten distracted, haven't we? Uh, it's fun. I, I think. Yeah, <laughs> the thing the thing is with Kingsley game, look, you 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 could. Let's not mention Steve Cleave. He doesn't. He's not worth no, the oxygen no, I, I, for I, I, for Rexham FC, is he? You yeah. know, uh, did he even come to the game? He wasn't there. No, no, no. Well, good. Doesn't you know? Don't don't need him around. Do we? And that that negativity that he brings. You know, I'm yeah. I'm sure not everything he does as as a person is is completely bad or wrong. But it would have just been toxic if he'd have been there. It wouldn't have been worth his time with it or hours. Yeah. Um. And and in in terms of the the, the game. I think more performances like that for the rest of the season, we keep picking three points up. I don't really care whether we look poor in the second half. A win's a win. So let's keep going. (laughs) Well, you know, people keep looking worriedly at Stockport and saying, oh, they're going to win it. Well, they've been scraping wins lately. On Saturday, they beat Weymouth 1-0 through an own goal. And their fans are saying that their performances are dipping, but they still get the results. That, that's what matters if, if we have the occasional one like that. Yeah. But this wasn't that. This was us bossing the game and earning the right to take it easy in the second half. So exactly. Looks promising to me. So after this, we'll have a chat about how Wrexham will soon be the spine of Wales's team. I'm Harry Lennon and this is Dragon Heart. Wales, of course. I've got a new a new star in the firmament. Paul Mullen definitively and possibly to help shift mug sales has declared for Wales. And <laughs> well, I mean, it, it led to an interesting debate. We ran a poll among fans during the match on Tuesday about you know should Wales actually select Mullen straight away? But forty four percent of fans said yes. Uh, there were three other options, like, you know, wait till the friendlies, things like that. So, Wrexham fans certainly seem quite keen to see Mullen in a Wales shirt. Is it a bit pie in the sky at the moment, though, or, or is there something to this? I think it's pie in the sky. Um, it's been a long time since Wrexham have had uh, players in, in the squad that were playing for Wrexham. And, you know, and rightly so, we're in the conference. With, let's not be deluded. Uh, the National League is is the fifth tier of the of the English system, and we've got players that are in playing in the Premier League. Um, Mullen is real quality. I'd love to see him and Davis both get a chance at a friendly, but I think that's that's the avenue to start with. And let's see, you know, you got to let Rob Page have a have a look at how how well he perform. I think if Wales were in a slightly different position, you know, we've got playoff games coming up, and we could be at a World Cup, and you know. Well, it's this year, isn't it? Next season, but if if Rob Page wants to take World Cup qualification seriously, it's not the time to be experimenting with conference players, is it? I don't think. Maybe I, I, you know, I'd I'd love to see it, Mark. I'd absolutely love to see a a current red in in um in a Wales shirt, but maybe not the time. Maybe not the time. Especially not for Davis. I think Davis is playing really well, but we've got Wales have got enough quality in, in that midfield position that he maybe just misses out unless it's a, a, a friendly or a you know like a 28-man squad where they're bringing some youngsters in just to come and experience what the Welsh setup's like. Um Mullin has a bit more of a chance because Wales haven't got quite as many strikers, but when you've got Brennan Johnson firing on all cylinders for Nottingham and uh, you know, Kiefer Moore come back, might come back after his injury and a, a couple of other players. I know Dan James doesn't play as a striker, but he, he's an attacking player that takes up a, a position, doesn't he? There's, there's too much 
just too much quality at the moment for me. Yeah, I, 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 it's it's nice that he's declared that, and, and it maybe is one of the reasons why it's quite good to come to Wrexham because it wouldn't have occurred to him to have declared that until he came to Wrexham. <laughs> now he's yeah. thinking, oh, I'll never be an England player, but I could become an international. That might be something we can use to encourage people to join us. Um, as you say, I'm just I just got up the the squad that was named for the November internationals. Um, and yeah, we're fairly thin on the ground in terms of out and out strikers. I mean, got Bale and James, but they don't really play through the middle generally. I mean, the fact that James has had to play through mm. the middle at Leeds is, is probably a big part of, of why Bielsa has been sacked. I'm not, I'm not criticizing James, I think he's a great player, but that's, yeah. you know, he, that's not his position. They say Kiefer Moore's injured. Uh, the other strikers they named are Tyler Roberts and Mark Harris, who, of course, was at Wrexham a couple of seasons yeah. ago. In fact, there's his boot, Tyler Harris's <laughs> boot from when we drew at Notts County. He split it open and threw it away. And it was sitting oh, on the no side way. of the pitch while we were waiting for the press. And I said, what's going to happen to that? And Club Secretary Geraint Barry said, it'll be thrown in a skip. And I said, well, I'll have it then. So I have my, my <laughs> Wrexham boot, my Wales International boot. Ooh, no way. It smells <laughs> horrific, <but> nonetheless. <laughs> um, there's, there's no real obvious... Apart from more obvious first out, first choice strikers as such, but yeah, certainly not for the playoffs. Mullins got you know the, the maybe the friendlies you might look at him, but it's a uh, playoffs. You stick with what you got, and I think as as in terms of Davis, I think Davis has much more got a case and another week. Uh, but like you say, that that area of the pitch is is very well stocked with. With good internationals, isn't it? Um, yeah. And the issue for him in his favour, though, is he has come through the Welsh system. And you could argue that mm-hmm. Wales is so focused and rightly and has done superbly from really building up its coaching badges courses by taking that seriously, by introducing a culture of valuing the UEFA badges and bringing young lads through and bringing the internationals through those age levels. That counts for Davis, maybe against Mullen, you know, because players might say, well, you know, I thought the idea was we're being groomed year in, year out in the different age groups. Why have we dropped a player ahead of us? Whereas Davis has come through that. But then again, looking at that squad, Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen, Johnny Williams, Harry Harry Wilson, Joe Morrell, yeah. you know, Will Vokes, Vokes, I can never say his name, and Colwell, you know, young <laughs> midfielders like Colwell, who, you know, have caught the eye, um, Levis. Dylan Levis. So, yeah, there's a lot of young lads as well, which is the same for Davis. I'd imagine he's older than Colwell and, and Levis, I'd imagine, as well. So, yeah. But but I think Davis has got that extra something that he clearly should be given a chance at a higher level and it could suit international football. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I really think there is an opportunity for them at some point. I think maybe just the timing in terms of what Wales are trying to achieve at the moment yeah. just goes against them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if we if we were in that, if we were in an off season, so there was no Euros or World Cup and we were playing a couple of summer friendlies, um, you know, playing, I don't know, Costa Rica or something in a friendly, then you, you'd think, yeah, they've got a chance of at least being named in the squad, but it's maybe just not the time. Unfortunately, but, you know, maybe any of those players get injured and, and Rob Page is really going to be having to dig through the players, isn't he, for uh, for Wales? So it's not completely out there for, for Mullen, I don't think, up front. 
Well, we'll see how it goes for them. I mean, although the Qatar World Cup being played in the winter, I've got to ask the question. I know that like the Premier League will be suspended, the Championship, but well, mm. well, the National League certainly won't be. And if we go up, I assume League Two won't be. I mean, maybe I should have looked that up before saying that. But Mullins English, really, isn't he? He's English. He can't be called up for Wales if uh, you know if, if we get to the World Cup. He's not. You know, he's. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's making it up about his 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 nan or whatever it is. Unquestionably. <laughs> Well said. Don't <laughs> tell Gwynvor Palmer that he can play for us either. <laughs> well, it's daily, it's daily up for us, but we are going to have a quick chat about a, a serious matter in a moment, which is the increased number of flares we're seeing at matches. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Yeah, we... we, we it would be remiss, I think, if we didn't mention that we're seeing more and more flares being brought to matches and, and flares being thrown on the pitch. The Chesterfield game was held up twice because of it. And it, it's just profoundly frustrating to see that happening. I yeah, There's a little bit of me thinks I understand that people want to have a bit of excitement and that the TV coverage of football and in general, in the media, glamorizes things like that. You know, you show like ultras in Milan or somewhere with the flares. And I do understand how that looks attractive. I do understand that. And I think that the media has a, a bit of blame to take on this. But the fact is, I mean, they're dangerous. They, they you know, they go up to terrific heats. There was a, a 14 year old kid was burned, wasn't he, mm-hmm. at Chesterfield? Um, they, they, they can. Start fires, obviously. They can go off. I remember an instance where a, a steward lost fingers ch- uh, trying to retrieve a flare. It's they're toxic. Um, it's, we need to create atmosphere by making constant noise. I think rather than doing things like that. Agreed. And there's there's ways and means. If you're going to spend money on flares, why not put that into getting a, a customized flag for yourself? Which yeah. you can then keep for X amount of time that it lasts for. You know, I've I've bought flags in the past. They cost you can design it yourself. They cost forty quid. Mm. I don't know how much flares cost. I've never really looked into it. But you know, you've you've got that forever then as a memento. Um, it's it's a shame. And uh, talking from a purely footballing point of view, which this this isn't really, but that that game gets held up at Chesterfield. You give them chance to regroup. Yeah. And 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 maybe. To reconsider tactically what they need to do if, you, if they're waiting for two or three minutes they've got a chance to not be hit on the break for a second time I've got to say I strongly agree with that that Chesterfield game we built up such momentum after half time we scored the first goal flair goes on the pitch game is held up for a couple of minutes and Chesterfield reacted really well to the goal who knows how they might have reacted had we got straight back we might have gone straight back at them again we were a bit lucky not to let mm. an equaliser linked and made a brilliant save and then we get back on top, score a second, then we have to wait again. Um, yeah, it doesn't help the team in the slightest. And of course, it will cost us money. And I, I don't like this idea. You know, I've seen people suggesting, oh, we've got money now. That doesn't mean we can afford to be paying fines left, right and centre. That's how you drive money out of a club. If, if an owner gets sick of people doing things like that, that's how you drive someone out. 
for goodness sake. I mean, if we did that, we'd be the biggest bunch of mugs you've ever seen on this planet, wouldn't we? Yeah. And and um, fines technically tend to be sort of like incremental. So they'll like du- not quite double, but they'll go up by a, a certain portion each time. So there's going to come to a point where it's going to be yeah. a, a real big fine that could cost the players yeah. wages for a month that we may- then maybe don't sign in, in a January transfer yeah. window or something. Because we are looking to run it sustainably. We can't afford yeah. to throw money away. Also, I mean, I did look into it a little bit. Maximum maximum uh, punishment for bringing a fine. And, and I should point out, the law says what's illegal is having a, f- a flare and having the intention to bring it into a football ground. So if you're in a service station and a policeman stops you and says, can I look in the boot of your car and you've got a flare in there and you say, I'm going to let that off in the ground, you are guilty as, as much as if you threw it on the pitch. So oh, wow, really? There, there are two offences, using it and having the intent to bring it into a ground. And the maximum hmm. sentence is three years in prison. And what I was reading after the Chesterfield game, it seems that there's a sort of desire within the judicial system to actually apply the maximum penalty as much as possible. Right. So it, it's not one of those, you know, oh, you, you could get up to this for this offence, but you're not going to really there is an attempt to sort of make an example out of this it's getting banned in more and more scenarios it's just got banned in festivals um mm. the fact is that they're looking to make an example of as many people as possible i think rightly um and so you are running a serious risk of spending three years in jail and a fine so uh, bit of a no-brainer what to do about flares i'd say yeah, and then the worst type of jeans you can buy anyway. So don't bring those horrible seventies fashion uh, disasters with you to the ground. Absolutely, it's not worth it. <laughs> Beautifully put. Well, I'm going to slip into some corduroys <laughs> and enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you so much, Bill. It's always a pleasure. Great stuff. Thank you, Mark. Nice one, and I hope you all enjoyed yourselves. This was Dragonheart. This is the final whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team.